You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Alda Vasquez is an incredible leader, advocate, and activist for environmental and social justice issues with more than 10 years of experience in New York, Washington, D.C., and California. A native of Colombia, she brings her experience as a Latina immigrant, a woman of color, and a successful environmental leader to many issues concerning frontline communities. In May 2017, she was appointed by the Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti to the Board of Commissioners for the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power for a five-year appointment. Ara, welcome to Think 100, the coolest show on climate change. It's, I feel, I'm feeling very cool right now. <laughs> you are so cool. It's so beautiful. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So, I know you were born in Colombia. How did you begin your journey on environmental issues and climate change, and what was it like growing up in Colombia? Yeah. So I, I feel very proud to be um, an immigrant, and especially nowadays in, in this current political yeah. environment yeah. where there's so much animosity against uh, immigrants. Mm-hmm. And I am excited to see so many other immigrants that contribute so much to this country. And a lot of us came like me. I came uh, when I was 18 years old to New York City Aww. from Colombia with my family. We... Um, came um, escaping a little bit of the violence happening in the 80s back home in Colombia. So for us, it was important to really pursue a better living and a better, a better life. Right. And we decided to come to this country to do that. So my journey as an activist and as an environmental uh, justice organizer mm-hmm. and, you know, today commissioner started very early on when I was 11 years old. I saw a show... Um, on the ozone layer, uh, um, science show uh, in, in Colombia. And I learned about global warming then. And I learned about seawater rise level. And I remember in the show, they talked about, uh, you know, that the earth was gonna get really warm and basically it was gonna cause really mass um, migration of uh, not just people, but, you know, animals. Right. And, and I just remember in like, you know, my 11 year old mind, I was like, oh my God, we're going to die. Like, this is a like really, really bad. And, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't stop talking about it. Uh, the whole, the whole time I spoke to my family about it and, and I keep asking people, do you know about climate? Do you know about global warming? Do you know about global warming? You know, like around my family, I went to school and I asked to talk to my principal. So, you know, in the principal's office, they, they asked me, what do you want to talk to the principal about? And I said, I want to talk to her about global warming. Wow. And, and they laughed a little and they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, I saw this show. And, you know, I started explaining. So eventually I got to talk to my, my, um, my principal and I told her about the show. And I said, what, what are we doing to mitigate the effects of global warming in right. school? And she said, um, she asked me, I feel like the most defining question that I had had uh, that really like changed my life. Mm-hmm. She said, well, what are you going to do about it? Mm. And, and I think that even, even being so young and, and, you know, 
I guess naive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said to her, I was like, wow, like I, like now the responsibility is in me, right. and I feel like this is kind of a little bit of what we all need today in this country, a little bit of having the responsibility being on us. So, you know, I responded to her in the show. They talked about aerial souls because in the eighties, you know, with the big hair, mm-hmm. um, they, you know, they talked about the aerial souls being a big issue. So, um, I started the first environmental club in my school. I wow. recruited some of my classmates and we went from classroom to classroom talking about the ozone layer, global warming and how we needed to stop using aerosols because it was, you know, harming right. the environment. Yeah. Wow. Oh, <laughs> kid. Go ahead now. I love that. Started young. So you've dedicated your life literally yeah. to uplifting the voices of the marginalized communities. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that our communities are facing? Yeah. I think that um, we we can't talk about environmental issues without talking about other systems that are also in place, right. uh, like banking. You know, banking and the people that um, invest on these uh, environmental projects that really bring a lot of degradation to our communities. Mm-hmm. I think we can talk about environmental pollution or environmental climate change without talking about the political process right. and how our political process is very polluted right. by those people that right. pollute our environment. So I feel like all these things are really like interconnected and we we have created or the system has created a, a, a way for us to be really consumist and take more and take more from Mother Earth and use more water and use more gas and use more oil and that's killing us. Yeah. That eventually is gonna deplete everything that we have and we're not going to leave anything for future generations. Mm-hmm. So I think that the number, the number one issue that we have is that we have a lot of different entities working together to really in this advantage of the, of the environment and, and therefore our communities. And it's a real struggle, the apathy, you know, the idea that it's not happening to me, right. that what happens in the Amazons doesn't affect me, that right. what happens in South L.A., and, and the toxics and all the stuff that happened in, in other places doesn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's a real struggle for a lot of us that are in, in, in this uh, movement to try to bring about more change, mm-hmm. to get people to really activate and, and, you know, and rise up and, 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 and bring about a better consciousness that we, that we need in order for us to, to change and, and have a better world. What are some of the challenges of being a grassroots organizer? Do you think we invest enough resources in our most vulnerable communities? Yeah. So it's definitely for me as a woman of color, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't become an environmentalist or an environmental justice organizer without really being in touch with my feminist you know, roots mm-hmm. and, and what, you know, what a feminist really means because... And, and even having other people to, to really let you step up on that, you know, role. So I feel like I'm, 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 I, I think about my mom often about this because I feel like she was the first feminist that I ever mm. met. And, you know, this is in Colombia. She yeah. was born in the 60s and in the 50s, actually grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And in her own way, she, she was a feminist, you know, and the things that she really planted in my in my heart about you're equal and you you can do whatever you want and right. you must you know do what you want and pursue your dreams 
So I feel like I really think about that. And I think that that's like the first issue that we have as women and as women of color. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to lead because of this, you know, patriarchy. I mean, at its best. I think also the environmental movement is very depleted in resources, Mm. Um, depleted in funding, depleted in a cohesive strategy where we all work together. I see more and more, more organizations coming and going and that's wonderful. And, but not working in unity, Mm. which I think is something that I really would like to see more. So I think that that depletion, we can, we can really underwrite is, is a really important and is, is, is a real problem because then it creates all these, um, um, challenges around, uh, resources and who has the resources and who has more and who had less. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not a surprise to know that for the most part, organizations that work in neighborhoods that are led by communities of color Mm -hmm. are the ones that have the least resources. So that's not a surprise. So I think that that's definitely a challenge. The third challenge is that we don't have political will. Mm. We need more of us out there, like really advocating and leading and taking roles of leadership and decision making because there's not a lot of us. I feel like we had a really good opportunity with Al Gore Mm -hmm. when he was around, but that happened a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And where are my other Al Gores of the world? And I think that we all need to ignite that those attributes and that those uh, qualities of his personality and his wisdom and his vision to, you know, to move forward and to, and to bring it about in, in the work that we do. So I think that that's definitely the challenge. I think also just being young is a challenge, you know, yeah. <laughs> being young in this world. Yeah. And, and, um, I think we are in a, in, in a, in a country in which, you know, following your intuition is not something that is very, you know, um, even prized or, right. or spoken about. Right. And I think we're women, we're really in touch with that aspect of, of, of who we are. Mm-hmm. So when you're young and you have innovative ideas, everybody thinks that you're crazy yes. and that it's not going to happen. We need to lift up the voices of our young people mm-hmm. and the innovative ideas and the crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. I feel like the crazier ideas should be, <laughs> you know, like really, really highlighted and, and, and nurture and, and mentor for us. So I completely agree. Um, congratulations <laughs> on being appointed by Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti to the Board of Commissioners for the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, the LADWP. Can you talk a little bit about what that position entails? Yeah. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I was working with the Sierra Club. I was mm-hmm. an organizer for them, uh, leading the Beyond Coal campaign here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So getting LA to divest from coal. And, um, and that was a lot of my interaction with DWP mm-hmm. and trying to move them to be more sustainable, more forward thinking, more uh, environmental friendly, uh, modernized, you know, and, and, and really become a leader, especially in California that we're, you know, really believe that we're like leaders on environmental issues in the country. Um, so that was my interaction with them, uh, just kind of pushing and pulling mm-hmm. and, and uplifting the struggle and, and, and showing the disparity. And, you know, a couple of years come and Mayor Garcetti becomes mayor and, you know, his team called me one day. And I think this is around last year when I saw you at the People's Climate March, mm-hmm. when we were organizing the march last year and, 
I get a phone call. I'm in D.C., in fact. Oh this is gosh. maybe like the day before that the march is taking wow. place. I'm in D.C., you know, in like one of our events or so. And um, I, take, I get a phone call. I see the number. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to answer. I don't know this number. And I hear the voicemail. And they're like, oh, you know, this is the Mayor's Garcetti, uh, you know, team. Would you call us back? And I'm like, this is so very strange. <laughs> so I called them back. And they said, you know, we've been um, looking at your work. And we would like you to come and serve our city to become a LA Department of Water and Power. And I remember I'm looking at the phone and I'm like, one second. And I looked again. I'm like, who's calling me? (laughs) It was so bizarre for me at the moment. And I just remember uh, just being like, what is going on? And, and I said, can I call you back? You right. know, because I just didn't even know what this to say at, at the moment. Yeah. And, and they go, well, we need to know really quickly because, you know, you were like our first choice. And, wow. um, yeah. So I was like, oh my God. So I'm like, okay, great. So I hang up and I called the number, like maybe like 10 minutes after. And I go like, oh, it's my honor to serve this city. What does this mean? And they're like, oh, don't worry, we brief you. And I had no idea really what was coming, you know, for me. So then I started getting more calls and more people uh, congratulating me. And then later I went to get confirmed by the city council. So it was a unanimous vote. All of the city councils agree that I should be, you know, a commissioner at DWP. And they spoke. It was very, very moving for me as someone that has been working on this issue a lot of them came up to me and said, like, we're so proud um, of you and your work. And this is really a testament of the mayor's really vision to right. uplift more women, right. more women of color, right. and to really give a, a different voice, right. um, you know, to this board. So DWP is the largest and the oldest uh, public utility in the country. We serve about 4 million people, wow. so it's a very big. I'm one of five commissioners, so I make all of the decisions related to the department. Wow. I manage a multi-billion dollar budget, which is something also very new. But I think um, it's worth um, mentioning that DWP has always been kind of like a conservative, and more on the conservative mm-hmm. side of being a utility. Mm-hmm. And for me to come on board, it was really a testament of where we wanted the, the utility to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. So it's been a very interesting year. I think I now been a year and a half a commissioner mm-hmm. and I have learned a lot of things and and, you know, my perspective has definitely changed. I think at the beginning, folks at DWP were a little worried, yeah. <laughs> you know, about what was I going to do? What was I going to say? But, you know, they, they know me already. And mm-hmm. for me, one of the most important things is to move LA to 100% renewables and figure out a way to get the second largest city in the country to be completely 100%. Mm-hmm. That's something that I am very committed to. And, you know, and bring more resources to people that need it the most. Solar for renters, for example, is something that I've been working on. Reducing our import of water is uh, is something that I have been spearheading into, um, you know, battery storage, EV cars. I mean, like all this technology Mm -hmm. that I feel in a lot of ways our communities are the last people to enjoy the benefits of. So I want to make them the first people to enjoy all of those benefits. How important is it? 
for there to be more diversity and leadership in the climate movement. And why do you think it's taken us so long to have African-American or, or Latina leading one of the big green organizations? Oh my God. I mean, you know, we can't talk about diversity or the lack of diversity without talking about power right. and the concentration of power. Mm -hmm. And power is a very tricky thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you don't really have a strong values and integrity, I think it's very easy to um, to kind of kind of get seduced by what power can mm. you know, offer you. You know, uh, I think we all struggle with that in one way or another. You know, uh, so I think that uh, organ environmental organizations, especially the ones that have the most resources, mm -hmm. struggle a lot with allowing people of color lead because they struggle a lot with power. Right. And, and who holds the power mm. and, and, and what kind of vision are right. we moving forward, right? I mean, we're all different mm -hmm. and we have different priorities. Mm -hmm. And my experiences really shape where my vision it really goes. So right. definitely, you know, I work very closely with Mike Brune from the Sierra Club, executive director of the Sierra Club. And obviously we're very different. Mm -hmm. You know, we're allies and, and, and we're friends and, but we, we're very different people, right, you know, right. he's a man, a white man, you know, right. he lives in the Bay Area, I'm an immigrant, I'm a Latina, you know. So so we're very different. So I think that that's, that's, that's the issue. I think also we experience a lot of still racism, just plain sure. racism um, that it has been really ingrained in our hearts mm -hmm. and a lot of bias in our minds. And um, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear that well, we can't find any people of color that can do this mm. job <laughs> because, you know, they're just not prepared. Mm. They don't have the experience. They don't have the titles. They don't have the mm. education. And I'm just like amazed every time I hear this, this, this type of comments because there is so many of us mm -hmm. dedicated people out there that are doing like good work mm -hmm. and, and the, the, we just don't have the space to shine, mm -hmm. right. you know? <laughs> the basically right, right. And, and to really so I feel like it's a little bit of a struggle on re, and again on resources power on who's really leading and I think it's just a reflection of what's happening in this country yeah for sure and 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 I think that they're well-meaning organizations they're you know I'm, I'm not saying I feel like there's definitely a lot of introspection mm -hmm. and a lot of change mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's gonna take a few more years for us to get to that place where you're gonna really gonna see diversity equity and inclusion in right. these places um, because I mean we just still kind of experiencing plain racism and yeah. in, in so discrimination yeah, yeah. That's so sad and so true. Yeah, we no will win. We will win. <laughs> How can people find you and follow you? Oh, exciting. <laughs> I'm a very open book, of, you know, very accessible commissioner. Mm -hmm. You know that I'm the first commissioner for the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power that has an open door policy. Wow. So anyone can come and talk to me. And oh. uh, the history, DWP is over 100 what? years. And nobody has ever done this. I yeah. thought it was important for me to be accessible mm -hmm. to the community. So you can find me online, Aura Vasquez. Uh, I have, you know, my Twitter, my um, Instagram, and my Facebook is Aura Vasquez Official. And you can Google me. There's a lot of good stuff out there. And 
I'm always open for, you know, suggestions and feedback and crazy ideas. I'm all for them, <laughs> you know, and, and, and to mentor young people and to give advice to women that want to figure out how to get to this line of work also or how to bring about change in their communities. So, yeah, Aura Vasquez, AuraVasquez.com and Aura Vasquez Official. So you can find me out there. Open door policy. The open door policy. Thank you, Aura, so much. Thank for you coming. so much. for wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the, the space here to... Okay. Share a little about my life. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100% The Coolest Show on Climate Change, a hip hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think 100 Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us, or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us, and if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100, think 100, think 100.